Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Fourth Estate, the show where journalists talk journalism. Coming to you from 2SER in Sydney on Gadigal lands of the Eora Nation, right across Australia on the Community Radio Network and directly to your device across the globe via podcast. Uh, My name is Peter Frey and I am the co-director of the Centre for Media Transition at the University of Technology in Sydney. And my producer today is Rod Chambers. Last time on the show, with the Dean of uh, the Columbia Journalism School, Steve Cole, I promised more panels and more women. <laughs> well, today, you're getting half of that promise, the important half, more women, and not just any person of the female gender. Today, my guest is the editor of the Sydney Morning Herald. She is, in fact, only the third woman to have held that position in the paper's 180-year, almost 180-year history. Welcome to the show, Lisa Davies. Thanks, Peter. Uh, Did you know that with your appointment, there's now been more women editors of the Sydney Morning Herald than editors who were also Methodist ministers? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That wasn't actually something I knew, no. No, so we've had (laughs) three women. I'm very glad. Three women and two (laughs) two clerics. Well, terrific, (laughs) I think. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Well, look, I'm I'm pretty proud of the fact that I am, in fact, the third um, female editor. And uh, I think long may it continue. I hope that sometime over the next few editors, there's more... Than um, that. Well, I'm sure they will, and and the Methodist clerics will be. A... <laughs> I, I'm I'm not confident that they'd get a run these days. No, but... <laughs> I don't reckon so. I don't think they. I don't think they're in the running. Wanted no, Methodist cleric prob- and editor. Possibly not. No. no okay, we're we're on safe ground there. <laughs> we don't even have a religion reporter. I <laughs> uh, no. Well, maybe. Uh, well, well, maybe if we need it, one of those. That's, well, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so before we get to talk to you about uh, you about you and about journalism and whether talking about the Prime Minister's religion is fair game for politicians, talking about religion, uh, we better deal with the news to hand, uh, which is that, uh, I guess, as you know, uh, many of your journos are worried about Nine Entertainment, hmm. um, the Sydney Morning Herald's still relatively new parent, yep. hosting a $10,000 plate fundraiser for the Liberal Party. Uh, that dinner made about 700k for the Libs, and the guests included... Uh, the Prime Minister, the Communications Minister, Paul Fletcher, Trade Minister Simon Birmingham, and a host of other ministers and a few top ends of the town types like Harry Triggerboff. So um, more to the point, of course, it has raised concern about the SMH's independence. Are you worried? Uh, no, I'm not um, for a number of reasons. Um, but I should say from the outset that um, I, ever since the City Morning Herald and, and The Age and the Financial Review were uh, the old Fairfax business purchased by the Nine Group, mm-hmm. um, we've We've been really happy with our new owners. Um, I think uh, the fit is good. Um, We feel part of a a very big and powerful media organisation and that um, hasn't always been the case, um, as I'm sure you remember often feeling buffeted by the the winds of change, as they say. Um, 
uh, as part of the wider nine group um, when, and media of all kinds, of course, facing a lot of challenge at the moment. We feel quite stable and we haven't, um, you know, we haven't seen any cost cutting in recent times uh, since 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 the, since, since the 2000, um, since I became editor in 2017, which um, was the last <laughs> lot. Um, yeah, we feel really, we feel really safe and quite powerful. And I think when we're being spoken about um, these days, we're being spoken about because of the journalism we do. And that's for me, very gratifying. And of course, everyone. So I think basically what's disappointing about this decision and um, is that it detracts from that. Mm. Um, we had no, inf- I mean, we actually broke the story. Um, yep. It was m- actually me who got the tip that it was happening. Oh, really? Um, and I passed it on to Kyla, uh, our yep. CBD columnist, who yep. uh, quickly published it around the same time that Joe Aston at the AFR did. So the story was actually broken by yep, which is nine a good sign. newspapers. Which is a good sign. Which is good. Um, I guess initially I hadn't, well, perhaps none of us had really appreciated that um, while it said that, you know, Hugh Marks and the nine, and some of the nine team were hosting it, I assumed it was in a very, you know, like you rent out a dining yes, room or a function centre, correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be that case. And mm. we've just put up a story this afternoon that says that um, uh, Hugh Marks has admitted it was a mistake nice. and he will uh, likely not be making that mistake again. Um because it was on the set of the Today Show. It was, yeah. and um, in the house, no it? confirmation that um, Georgie Gardner was there or any of the, <laughs> the team. But um, yeah, look, it did seem a pretty odd decision. And I mean, Hugh, to he, for his side, uh, says that of course Nine has a lot of um, reason to be talking to the government, uh, regulatory issues. You know, the the freedom of absolutely. There are it's a lot a of reasons. It's yeah. a company, and we and we need to be have a good dialogue with them. Actually, helping the Liberal Party to raise money is is not, and I think don't think anyone would cavil with the fact that it's not the job of a media company to help one party raise raise money. So yeah. it is disappointing, but I think we've all learnt something from it, and hopefully the readers also realise that um, you know nothing has changed. That that. Uh, that event did not change the way we do journalism or has it any intention of doing that. So. Okay, well, we'll get on to some of the mm. great journalism that has happened since mm. the, you know, the merger. Um, before we um, – but, you know, I guess it's understandable the media union and the – Oh, yeah. No, I fully endorse what up. they said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think myself and um, our executive editor, uh, James Chessel, has put out a – you know, we spoke to the news for – earlier and mm. he, you know, he doesn't propose to speak for Hugh, but, you know, on behalf of all of us, he raised concerns mm-hmm. as early as yesterday morning. Um, and hopefully, um, that's where the matter stays now. Okay. No, no drama. Mm. Okay. Well, before we get to all the, you know, the great stuff, I'm yes. going to ask you a yeah, little yeah. bit about Alan Jones. Oh, good. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if all goes to plan, Alan and Ray Hadley and the crew will be hundred percent owned by mm. nines at some point in the future. Uh, now, needless to say, GB is very much a different culture to the Herald. It is. It always has been. Yes. And it always will be, I suspect. I think so. Yes. <laughs> but so, let's not concentrate on Alan, but if you had a columnist advising the Prime Minister to stick a sock down the throat of the Prime Minister of New Zealand, would you sack them? Um, I think it would be, it's very, it's very difficult. Um, I think... It's difficult to sack them? Or? It, I think, well, it's difficult because of his popularity. Mm. Um, and I think the way he sought to clarify his point, you know, one could, one could, not me could, but someone might say... Someone might. Someone might say that um, he misspoke and didn't actually mm. intend. So mm. he's made his defence of that. Mm. Look, I, di- I disagree. And I think he, he has shown he has... Uh, 
he he often uh, speaks badly. Oh. Or it speaks badly to women. Yeah. Um. Uh, the you know if you listen to the tape of him speaking to Louise Heron, the CEO of the Opera House last year, um, I mm. I personally felt quite affronted by mm. that. If if I had been on the receiving end of that kind of tirade, I would have been extremely mm. um, no, he, upset. He and, apologized about that as well. Yeah. There is a pattern. There is a pattern. Yeah. Um. Look, until such time as the nine board wholly owns two GB, I don't think um they can. Uh, do much, no. but I think Alan would be aware, as I think Ray Hadley or others who may, you know, do similar things should be aware that I think the I think Hugh Marks has shown he's not necessarily afraid of big talent, mm. um, evidenced by Karl Stefanovic's departure from today, yep. um, and you know a few other big changes that he's made there in recent times. Uh, he, yeah, he's not afraid of that, and look, it's arguable. I mean, of course, Alan Jones has the highest rating radio program in the country and he should be, you know, he's got a a long track record of um, doing that role and performing it to the standard that his listeners Mm. enjoy. I'm not sure. I think it is overinflated, his importance, and that still makes me a bit, it it surprises me how much certain government or opposition ministers count out of him. Uh, but well, there's that fantastic photograph of the former Premier Mike Baird going down to Alan's place to tell him about the Greyhound decision. Exactly. I mean, remarkable. It is. Moment, and But really. but that is the way that he does business, and, and it's up to other people to change that as much as it is up to him to maintain modern standards. Mm, whatever they may be in what, Alan's case. In Alan's case. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I do think there's been a huge backlash to that, and mm. he, he, I think he's on, he's on notice that one more time and he's probably gone. Mm. And just just on that first question, though, if you had a columnist who did that, would you get rid of them? Um, quite possibly. Um, I think I, I think if if the reader response was anything like it has been to Alan more broadly, and you know, if, if, it, if it went against the principles that we hold as as um, hmm. or that I would hold as as the editor of the Sydney Morning Herald, yeah, I think I probably would. Hmm. Fair enough. Okay, let's talk about you. <laughs> easier things than you. So you've been, as you said, you've been editor for about was it two and a half, half years? years yep. yep. And during that time, there was that, initially, there was that round of cost-cutting. The first six months from hell, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was about 30 million bucks out of the business. And then there was a reorganisa- little reorganisation editorial structure, and then there was the merger with Nine. So yeah. it's not, not oh, it's been, been quiet. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it certainly hasn't been quite what I imagined. <laughs> so is it, in that period, you know, keeping your eye, because you're very editorially focused, mm, yeah. and that's your job. Yeah. But keeping your eye on the editorial board with all that going on, is that hard? It's really hard. Um I only, there are only a certain number of hours in the day and any, I mean, you, I sort of sometimes think to myself how nice it would have been um, to be an editor when there was just one newspaper <laughs> once a day <laughs> and the yeah. deadline was about 10 p.m. or something yeah, luxurious, right. whereas um, the yeah. I take responsibility for um, a fast, reasonably fast moving website and two or three editions of the newspaper, um, as well as a tablet app. Obviously, it it is extremely hard to keep across everything. Um, Some days, a bit like today, I feel as though I'm not entirely clear um, what has actually been happening today. I couldn't tell you what has been happening at ICAC, but happily that's because it's been a pretty quiet day. (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, I'm very grateful that I've got an incredibly uh, competent and passionate team um, who take responsibility for different parts of the machinery and um, we seem to we seem to get there at the end of every day somehow. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> what keeps you awake at night though? About the job, I mean. What um, keeps you awake at night? Do, do, well, my, maybe you sleep like a baby. Well, actually, I'm actually a pretty good sleeper, I must say, but I, I do worry about um, 
the the ability to remain calm in a pretty frenetic world, not me personally, because um, mm. I can be both calm and frenetic, um, but I, I, I worry that it's easy to get caught up in the, the craziness of certain incidents or um, mm. news events. It's compelling, right? It is, and you want to kind of get dragged along by stories, but also, you know, we, as you know, you mentioned in your opening, the Herald's been around for more than 180 years, and our readers and, you know, the wider community rely on us to maintain a pretty centrist and sensible course. Mm. So to get too caught up in some of those issues is problematic. Um, you know, the falling falling readership of print newspapers, it's still where a huge amount of our revenue comes from. So that, of course, is worrying. And just actually basically staying across mm. things. I mean, sometimes I have people call me and go, I can't believe you published X, Y, Z, and I just think, <laughs> did I? Did we? Well, <laughs> and usually it's some quite, you know, like a different part of the bit, like in the entertainment or right. lifestyle that, you know, isn't always front of mind for me. Yeah. But um, Well, it's interesting, isn't it? They come at you from oh, all angles. All angles. All angles. Um, and, and it can be so varied. And, and as I'm sure you remember, you can be attacked from the left, from the right, yeah. from all sides, in, in also in the space of one day. Well, that's when you know you're doing your job. Well, you we stay in the middle. Yeah, yes. stay in the middle. <laughs> we'll get back to that question about the middle in a second. Mm. Um, but I did want to touch on one of my favorite Sydney Morning Age Sydney Morning Age stories in recent months was that investigation into Crown Casino which is ongoing yeah linking uh, some very interesting Chinese high rollers and influencers and money laundering and various yep. other things so tell us about that you know that was kind of the first big co-pro with 60 minutes it was as opposed to uh, working with the ABC who were you know your, your yeah. normal buddies that's right so normal bedfellows <laughs> normal bedfellows so how was that was it different does there was, more money splashing around or? so well i think yes you can see from the high production values of 60 minutes that they they don't leave too many um uh costs on the table um that project had obviously been in the works for some time nick mckenzie mm. um has wanted for some time to do something with 60. And I think the um, the fact that it worked out with this story uh, was, was terrific. Um, he worked very closely with a producer there. And in fact, the way it ended up folding out, uh, rolling out, Nick McKenzie obviously had first byline, but then Grace Tobin, who is the producer at 60, got second byline because between them, they worked incredibly closely to get all the ducks in a row and worked quite secretively for months. Um, you know, there were only a very small number of people involved in the very uh, sort of initial brainstorming about how we would do it. And, you know, Kirsty Thompson, who's the, mm. um, the producer of 60. EP of 60 EP, Minutes, sorry, yep. was, was pretty much right, working very, very closely with Nick's direct boss um, based at The Age. So mm. um, it came together really, really well. I loved, in fact, watching – so I'd watched it before it went to air – but I loved watching on Twitter uh, people's responses to it because, you know, there had been a rather overly dramatic um, promo it of it, it was, on it TV. Was, it was uh, what was it that no Australian should miss it? No one and it was going to change, you know, change, 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 change the nation or something. Yeah. Um, it was a little overdone. It was slightly overdone. Mm. Um, and I had people going, oh, my God, are you going to bring down a prime minister? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but, I mean, it is a huge story. And, you know, watching Twitter and watching people's reaction to it was very gratifying because I saw people say things like, oh, I feel like it's Monday night, not Sunday night, and I'm watching Four Corners. Uh, and I think another comment that was quite nice and, and quite prevalent was, oh, maybe um, the Sydney Morning Herald can have a, a really strong effect on 
Channel Nine and not Channel Nine Television and not the other way around. Um, Do you think that's do well, possible? I know that they're really open to it. And and actually, if you look at the ratings from, it was the second highest 60 minutes of the entire year well. in terms of its ratings. But also, interestingly, um, someone was telling me the other day that not only live was it that those ratings figures, but on catch up mm. um, on the Nine Now um, streaming part of Nine, it's had a huge, another huge go. See, like, that's great at the world we live in, right? Totally. And people, I mean, people aren't booking appointments to watch TV anymore, live te- yeah. live commercial television. But I think it was a really great first mm. toe in the water. Mm. Um, What's the next one? Well, I'm trying to get McClellan on TV, of you got to get McClellan on TV. <laughs> She's, she loves it. get her to read a book and well, people watch it. That's right, exactly. She could read the men- a menu. or a oh, She could, I'm sure. <laughs> and, it, and people would pay to see it, probably. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, so we're talking about things like on demand or what have you. So this show, we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, future journalism. You mm-hmm. mentioned a few things earlier. Yeah. What do you, let's, you know, let's talk about some of the hard ones, like uh, the kind of social media platforms, the impact of you know, Facebook and Google, you would have, you know, had a look at the ACCC's report. Mm-hmm. It said, you know, uh, Facebook and Google, you have a period of time, I think it was about nine months, probably less now, uh, to get together with news industry and and work out a, some sort of fair payment for the use of the of editorial content. How hopeful are you around that? Um, look, I think... I'm generally an optimist, um, so I'm trying to be optimistic about it. I think it's in everyone's interest to work together. We need, um, in some respects, rely on Facebook and Google to get our content out there. We have an incredibly strong, committed, paying audience, but in terms of our ability to reach more people – search through Google and social media through Facebook is extremely important. Um, It's not the be all and end all. We are a subscriptions business and we believe what we do is worth paying for. But I think, you know, if you look at it from our side, that's important to maintain strong relationships with them. But also for them too. I mean, Google has developed a number of the Google News Initiative. They're working in newsrooms. They're working with the Walkley Foundation um, to really try and um, give some yep. something back to oh, yeah, our no, newsrooms. Uh, absolutely. Facebook also has a bit of a um, PR problem after... It's quite a large appeal. Quite, quite a large <laughs> PR problem. So it's in their interest too to really work with us closely. And on a, on a very sort of grassroots level, our, our social media and digital teams work quite closely with both of those organisations day to day. So things are okay. I guess it's just a matter of, you know, coming to the... Getting all sides to come to the table. So they need to give you a very large check. That would be nice. No. <laughs> but also, I mean, we don't necessarily want their money, but we want to be properly, um, well, I mean, that's that would be nice. But I also think we, we need to maintain our independence and that they need to value the content that we're helping mm. them to serve because they're really just publishers. They, they don't own what we do. Well, they would argue they're not publishers. Well, sorry, yes, yeah. they're they're just they're, hosts or whatever they. What are they, yes. what, are the, what are the words that they? Well, they use all different sorts <laughs> of words. I mean, I, I think they're they're a kind of quasi kind of they're not you know not publishers. They're more than just simply you know passive players. Yeah. So it, there's a yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it's an interesting time, and I, I just think this next six to nine months will will really set the tone for the next yeah. few years. And and everyone's watching. Um, yeah. but the world is watching. The world is watching, yeah. and you know I think we've we've sort of led the way to some extent. But where it goes to from here, will yeah, will be interesting. Mm. Talking about uh, one of the other things uh, ACCC talked about was making it easier 
for news organisations to get charitable status. Now, that isn't, I'm sure, <laughs> going to happen to Nine or the Herald anytime <laughs> Don't soon. Don't think so. Oh, by the way, I did mean to ask, how many uh, subscri- paying subscribers do you have now? What's the official number? Um, I think it's commercial incompetence. Is it? Yeah. No, it's not, surely. We, I think it might be. Really? Yeah, I don't think we talk about it. Oh. We have well, a goal to have... Um... <laughs> you can tell us about it. It was just us in the room. Um, so it's me, you and Rod. I mean, no one else will hear it. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, it, I can't... Is there a goal? Yeah, so we've publicly um, said that we want to have half a million paying digital subscribers. Um, a time frame on that is not particularly set, but it's, no. and it's ambitious, but... Um, We've probably... So I can't ask you how far you've got down to that. <laughs> we'd, we'd made significant inroads, <laughs> I would say. We could just spend the next 20 minutes trying to work out where we could get a number. <laughs> Is it between... <laughs> yes, that's right. So would what, it be... 50 and... Bigger no, than yeah. an egg, smaller yeah. than a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> okay, we'll move on. Um, but I was interested, talking about charity, I t- yeah. why I mentioned the charity thing was uh, Judith Nielsen, yeah. the Judith Nielsen Fund. So that Judith Nielsen gave uh, the Herald and the Age some money yep. recently yeah. to employ an Indigenous photographer and Indigenous reporter. How are you doing yeah. with that? Yeah, really great. And that's one of the most um, uh, gratifying things that I've done so far. It was my proposal. Um, oh, great. And it came on the back of uh, back and forth with um, the Judith Nielsen Institute. But I... So we've hired the journalist. Um, she is terrific and we'll be starting end of October and we're just in the final stages of employing a photographer. Um, can we have the journalist's name? Yes. I probably can give you that exclusive right. if you like. Um, her name is Ella Archibald-Binge and she's been working at NITV in Queensland. Fabulous. She is the, she was at NITV in New South Wales but okay. um, in Sydney but she's and she's moving back to be based in the Herald newsroom. Fabulous. Which is really exciting. Um, Stan Grant is going to be a... Um, uh, a mentor? A mentor. I was going to call him an editor at large or some kind of, um, you know, the, a big portion of the funding that they've provided is for travel because as everyone yeah. can appreciate, getting out to remote communities, telling the stories of Indigenous Australians in 2019 involves quite a lot of travel and this place, this country is big. <laughs> so, the, so the nasty question that flows from that, of course, is if it was so important, why didn't you, the Channel 9, Nine Entertainment Group, fund it itself? Um, it has always, so when I got to the end of last year and decided that I wanted to make 2019 the year that the Herald put Indigenous Affairs back on its radar, Mm -hmm. I actually didn't have in mind to do this, to do this project. Um, I had actually brainstormed with, um, uh, Peter Hutcher, international and, um, political editor at a whole different project, but, Mm, um, I saw evidence of that. There was a few... Archer wrote a piece. Yeah. There was, it was, was editorial. A, no, no, this was, so oh, this was a whole thing. separate, oh, okay. it was about Indonesia Sorry. and the Pacific and climate change mm. and various things. But as it turned out, that was a little bit trampling on what other people had pitched for. So they encouraged me to think differently and to think domestically. And so I came up with this idea because of course I wanted to do it anyway, but it just turns out that um, this is a great way to start it. Separate to that, I would say that I'm also hopefully in the next couple of weeks going to appoint an Indigenous Affairs correspondent from the Herald's newsroom um, who will work more into the politics. I mean, it's going to be a big, yeah, big, big couple of years um, yeah, working towards a referendum um, on, you know, voice to parliament, etc. There's a lot going on in that space and I just don't think we can have enough people talking about it. So, mm. um, yes, you're right. I should have probably done it, you know, two years ago, but... Um, I was always going to make a big issue of it and just really helpful that this project has come. Yeah, okay. I, know, I, look, I don't regret you having the data, <laughs> no, no. frankly. But, um, <laughs> no, and, and I think I love what she's doing. Like, I think it's amazing. Mm. 
That's um, hard not to hundred, love. Hundred million dollars. What's not to love? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Let's give her a lot of love. Yeah, yeah. So just tell me about this. You were a reporter for many years mm-hmm. before reaching these dizzying heights. You are now. Um, uh, first question is, do you miss it? And the second is, if you were able to talk to your younger self, <laughs> what would you would you tell her to go into journalism? Yeah, I would. Um, okay. I've never wanted to do anything else. I. Um, I always tell this story. When I was about 12, I started telling my mother that I was going to write stories for a living and she thought, oh, fabulous, she'll be a best-selling novelist or something. <laughs> Turns out something a bit different, different kinds of stories. Um, I've been really lucky. Um, I've done jobs that I've loved. I think the advice I would probably give my younger self would be to be a little more varied. I, you know, I always say I'm a bit of an atypical Herald editor. I've never worked in Canberra um, full-time. I've never worked at State Parliament full-time and did crime and courts for most of my career. So um, whilst I've always taken a strong interest in all those areas, um, it's never, I've never done a huge amount of reporting in that space. But I guess my news judgment is okay. And um, I've, seems to be okay so seems, far. Seems to be going okay so far. I'm sure the readers will tell me if it's not. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's, um, I, I wouldn't do anything differently. Great. The way news media makes money these days is essentially through engagement, through audience yeah. engagements, so subscribers and other forms of engagement. So that means, uh, well, what I'm interested in talking to you about is whether that means that we're privileging news content or opinions that get more engagement. So do you think there's this, I'm wondering, is there's a shift towards more engage, uh, opinion pieces as a way of getting people riled up and enraged and all that? I don't see engagement necessarily as being, so we look at a number of factors when we're looking at our content and what the sort of perfect story would be or mm. the perfect sort of engagement um, is actually not always opinion. Um, there's I, a lot of opinion though. There's more opinion. It there's a, there, is a, there is a lot of opinion and I think you, because when you're reading on the website and you're seeing a lot mm. more stuff promoted. I mean, you know, if you read a newspaper of a morning, you might read yes. a couple of the opinion pieces. Well, or that's why I guess not. my point. No one reads the newspaper anymore, no. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so no. we well, no, there are have, some. Yes. No, God bless <laughs> them as God well. God love them so yes, much. God Thank you, them. everyone. Uh, <laughs> but, I, but we try and look at a measure of completion. Mm. Um, so that's people yep. actually getting to the bottom of stories, time on article, and then also um, – sort of ret- retention, so people staying with the content on the site. So we think a factor of a sort of a combination of those factors make for high engagement. I mean, yeah, some weeks, you know, um, Peter Karcher, for example, might write an absolutely blistering column and it has over a thousand comments on it. And, you know, I love Herald readers because they don't just sling mud at each other. They're actually debating what Ooh, he's talking about and, and yeah. giving their own opinions, even on the website. Um, but I... That's not always the case, and it can't be the case for every article. Um, I was talking earlier today, um, readers might recall, we did a front page of, a cover story of Good Weekend uh, on Brenton Tarrant a few mm. weeks ago. Lead byline was Nick O'Malley, and that piece was 8,000 words. Now, we don't usually run pieces that long. I think the usual length of um, article in the Good Weekend is 5,000, four or 5,000 these days. Yep. Now, that had an engagement like it took me half an hour to read it. It mm. was so gripping. And you're a very fast reader. And I, well, I, but I wanted to, and you know, I can be fast, but I can also really like spend mm-hmm. time with it. But 
And it sounds absolutely ridiculous to say that the average engagement time was five minutes 40, but that's actually incredibly good for a digital piece of journalism. And it showed that people were really sticking with it. It also might mean that people stuck with it for five minutes and then came back and read it, Mm. read more of it later. Um, And that wouldn't be picked up, but I would, but I think that sort of time spent is we're just trying to push out the, the amount of time people are spending both on individual stories, but also on the site more generally. Okay. Um, so I think engagement is not just about inflaming opinions, but attracting people's attention and getting them to stick with us. Because other news media, and I'm not saying the Herald is innocent in this no. either, but other news media, well, news media generally, let's not pick on anyone in particular. Yeah. But, you know, there is a bit of a culture war going on these days. Sure. And, and I wonder about the readers, uh, I mean, I, I guess... If you are, you know, on the left or the right, you know, whatever, you know, that reading that stuff reinforces your views and mm, therefore totally. you keep going back to it. So it yep. is tempting, isn't it? To it is. sort of, you know, get those people and keep them, the base, as it were. It, yeah, absolutely. And, and that is true. Although I, I'm really interested in, I, I mean, this is a classic example. In March this year, as we always do and have done for many years, we endorsed one side for the state election um, on the eve of the poll and we endorsed the coalition, uh, Gladys Berejiklian's coalition government. Now, I was absolutely um, bombarded with complaints. Um, I think at one point we had 30 or 35 letters just on the... How dare you? I know. Absolutely appalling. I'm giving up my subscription, the whole thing. But what was even more interesting was that that's fine. And, you know, we've always done that. I'm still amazed that people are surprised that we do it because it's been happening forever. Um, And I wrote about, yeah, and I wrote about, and I wrote about it in a note to subscribers. But interestingly, what we've since found out is that of... Um, the, so we're tracking a lot of what people are reading that lead them to subscribe, not necessarily the last thing they read before they subscribe, but the things that they read in the three or four sessions prior to subscribing, exact, the same number, if not more people read that editorial and did subscribe. So Ooh. even if everyone who complained had given up their subscription, even more had. So again, it just shows that there's a real tension between mm. left and right and people are entitled to their views. They don't have to believe what we write. They don't have to agree with us, Mm. but it makes for an interesting discussion about staying in the middle, appealing to different sides. And also I like to hope that Herald readers want to be challenged. They want their, they're intelligent and worldly enough to want to understand what someone else is thinking. So I really try, it's one of my, talking about things to keep me awake at night, it's how to really keep that balance. Well, it is because the Herald is, it's easier in a way to be more overtly on the right and more overtly on the left, right? Totally, yeah. Being in the center is, can be actually the loneliest (laughs) place. Yeah, and I, but I think it's right for us. I mean, I think, you know, socially progressive, we, you know, embrace, you know, the, the, you know, needing to act on climate change, same sex marriage, all of the issues that we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years, um, yet are economically and in many ways a little bit politically conservative. So um, I don't think that's any surprise and I think it's always been the way. Um, and, yeah, people's horror that we might endorse a coalition, it's, it's happened more than it's happened the other way. Oh, well, absolutely. <laughs> I think in history, talking federally, I think yeah. it's only two or three times yeah, yes. that the Herald is, yeah. I mean, going back to We these, got it wrong this year. These, <laughs> well, indeed, yes. Oh, well. I mean, we're going back to these Methodist ministers, right? I mean, yeah, right, I don't think they were going vote Marxist. <laughs> no. Okay, so I have a couple more questions, and, and I did touch on one of them so, uh, earlier in the piece, which was, 
and this is a political question, it's not a journalistic question so mm-hmm. much. I was very interested in what you make of the uh, Labour's Christina Keneally and I think it was Joel Fitzgibbon citing Scott Morrison's religion mm. uh, as a reason for him to grant asylum to the Tamil family from Bilawila. Yeah. What do you make of that? I mean, is it time well, to brush up on our Bibles? Um, well, I hope not because I was really bad at all that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really a believer. Um, look, I think he makes his, I think the Prime Minister makes his religion a part of who he is. Mm -hmm. And he talked in his uh, acceptance speech after the election about appealing to um, people of faith and having a view of the world um, from a religious perspective. I think Christina Keneally is entitled to make those points because she herself is a mm, no, outspoken Catholic. Yeah. yeah. And I listened to her interview on, I think it was Radio National during yeah. yesterday or the day before, um, where she talked about that and she was challenged about that. And I think it's fair enough. Like he, if, if Scott Morrison holds it and it's, it is who he is, he makes no bones mm. about no, it. No, he's not fibbing. It, no, and he should, mm. um, be enti- he should be entitled to both use it to inform his decision-making, but as long as, you know, because he's been voted in as prime minister, there's no there's no question about that. But I think he also needs to be mindful of the times when he should leave that um, mm. those beliefs at the door. Uh, it's, you know, it's happening in state parliament also. Um, oh, indeed, over the abortion, over the abortion debate. So yeah. there's a there's a really interest. It's really interesting at the moment. These um, elected members of parliament who you know, to some people it's quite abhorrent that they have these very religious views. If you're not that um, way inclined, um, they don't like that that's part of the decision-making, but it's who they are and people who voted for him should, voted for them should know that. So I guess, should he, should he change his view, you know, should he reverse the decision of Mm. a number of, I mean, there's been, I think, seven appeals on that case. Um, I don't think it's really... As much as there's a huge public um, outcry of wanting them to stay, the law is the law, and mm. I and I don't believe um, they are. You know, they've been found not to be asylum seekers. Indeed, well, Alan Jones wants them to stay. Which I know is he does, which twist. is very, which is surprising. Um, I mean, I love that the community loves them and wants them to stay, yeah. but maybe they need to find a, another way to stay. Mm. It's not under the current. Yeah. Um, the system itself, I think, is a little bit broken. Um, you know, perhaps there should have been an intervention a long time ago. Well, may well be. I mean, that is another whole yeah, new show. that's another whole, yeah. <laughs> so two quick questions. Yes. We're going to look forward a year mm. and, and we're going to come back. You're going to come back. You're going to be sitting here doing this interview in a year's time. Um, what, what has that year been for the Herald and what's that year been like for uh, you? Um, well, in the next 12 months, I definitely want to see um, our Indigenous coverage really reaching new people and changing people's minds about where we're going and how we um, reconcile our past mm-hmm. um, and, and move forward. I think I would like to have not had another conversation about a um, Liberal Party or Labor Party, for that matter, fundraiser um, by our CEO. Um, I think it's <laughs> distracting and, and not helpful. Um, but broadly, I just want the Herald to keep kicking goals. I want us to be talked about because of the great stories we're breaking, not for um, any other reason, really. Mm-hmm. And personally, I hope to still be here. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> Lisa Davis, thank you so much for your time today. It's Pleasure. taken a while to organise it, it but it's been absolutely <laughs> worth it. And um, I wish you all the best for this, thank you know, you. ongoing and in the Herald and all that. Um, 
And thank everyone for listening to The Fourth Estate. This edition was recorded at the studios of 2SER and heard across the country on the Community Radio Network. And make sure you subscribe to Fourth Estate on your favorite podcast app so you can hear us talk about the media and politics and a few things in between at your leisure. And we'll be back very soon with more. But in the meantime, you can stay in touch with us on Twitter, where our handle is Fourth Estate AU. Many thanks to my producer, Rod Chambers. My name is Peter Frey, and thank you so much for listening. 